Welcome to the show. This is the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my hostess with the mostess, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep the hope train and moving on down the track. Choo-choo! Yes. How are you doing today, Jennifer? Jennifer? I know I called you by your naughty name. <laughs> Don't tell people that. I know. You're being naughty when I called you Jennifer. Jennifer, what are you doing? <laughs> Jennifer, get over here. Jennifer! <laughs> Otherwise, I call you babe yeah. or my love or Jen. I don't mm-hmm. call you Jen, really. Jen, come here. Well, yeah, I guess I do. Anyway, how you doing? You call me mom. What? You call me mom. That's kind of weird. But you do. <laughs> I know. I call you mom when kids are within earshot. Okay. Hey, mom, what do we got going on today? Hey, mom, what are we doing? <laughs> well, technically, you're not my mom. That's where it's kind of weird unless there's kids involved. Yeah, because when I try to be your mom, you say, already having a mom, so don't try to be my mom and parent me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not telling secrets, here you go. Yes. Now you're shedding some secrets of our inner workings, our That's inner right. marriage working life. Yep, there you go. So how are you doing? I am doing great. Why are you doing great? Because it's Tuesday and I got up early and I've done all the things already. So now it's just chill time. You've done all the things, which include eating the food, working mm-hmm. the workout, mm-hmm. and um, getting some you time in. Some girl time in. Some yeah. girl time in. So yeah. all those good things. Yep. That must mean I am not doing okay because I've done nothing in terms of guy time and I did do my workout. To get that done. Yes, you So did. I feel accomplished with that. Yes. But I've got a long list So of that stuff. means you're going to be home long time later. Well, I can't be home too late because I have other obligations at home. I've got to be home by four. So anyway, we're getting into the weeds of our day. These people <laughs> don't care what's going on in our day. They all but have I, stuff to do too. I know. it's That's the stuff of life. Mm-hmm. And isn't it good? You know, I remember about a year ago when all we were thinking about was a pandemic and staying home and being quarantined and all that good stuff yeah. so it's good to have things other to obligations yes places to go people to see to things to touch and eat and all the things podcasts to have yes and to facilitate yes. good guests to interview we are free hope to deliver hope to deal we are hope dealers jennifer we are we are hope dealers don't dealers don't of hope. don't mishear that we are not dope dealers we are nope. hope Hope dealers. And I've got a great show for you today. But before I tell you who we got coming on, I think we need to, uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. What do you say? I'm ready. Let's tell a few jokes. What do you think? I think we should. You want me to go first? This is joke time and ladies always go first. It better be a doozy. (laughs) So you go ahead and you share what you got. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is a tree's favorite soda? Coca-Cola Sprite. Uh, Fanta, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi. Uh, what is going to, what is it? I don't know. I hate these questions. Go. You forget the one that I drink on a daily basis. Yes, I drink soda, but it's sugar free, zero sugar, zero everything. What is it? The answer. What? Root beer. Oh, gee. I even might have said root beer. No, you didn't. I didn't say root beer. No. 
You know, sometimes I feel inadequate when the <laughs> the answer to these jokes is so obvious, yet it escapes me. It's because you're too intellectual. So you're you're thinking of like really complex answers and they're just so silly and yeah, stupid. Yeah, I, I missed the cookie right on the floor in front of me. Because, because I, why? I like to keep things simple and silly and stupid. That's what my, that? that's my, that's what makes me laugh. How do I like to keep things? You're very like complicated. <laughs> like your jokes are like three paragraph stories and nobody understands. No. Yeah, they are. I'm not going to give you that today. Okay, good. You ready to hear mine? Thank goodness. You ready to hear mine? I'm ready. Okay. I broke my finger last week. Oh, see here. It's a story. No, I broke my finger last week. Maybe. On the other hand, I'm Okay. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm like thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should have this YouTubed because the look on your face, you know, for those of you out there in, in radio land that have a dog, you know how sometimes you'll speak to your dog and they'll turn their head and the ears will go back and they're looking at you like, what the heck are you saying? That was kind of the gin look that she just gave me when I told that book. And then all of a sudden her face lights up and she smiles. Oh, I get I it. Get it. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> that was funny. And it was joke. funny. You yeah. laughed more about my joke than I did about yours. So I'm winner. It was because I... I'm the winner. I was really winner, trying winner. to process... No, that, yours was Mine was funny. a sneak attack. You didn't get it right away. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's a hilarity. You didn't get mine at all. So mine's well, that's why Well, that's why I win the joke off today. That's why I get one. Yeah, there we go. Oh, goodness. Well, um, I want to tell you about our interviewed guest okay. coming on. I'm really, really, really... Really? Really. Okay. Really excited about this one. Really? Because this is the first time ever I've ever talked to somebody mm -hmm. that has this particular challenge in their life. What's the challenge? Well, we're going to talk to Mr. Shane Charles, okay. and he suffers from narcolepsy, which <gasps> is all of a sudden he just falls asleep is and it, he can't control Is he going to fall asleep while we're having an interview? I was wondering that. Hmm. And that's a possibility, clearly. How do we wake him up? Um, I'm not sure. We're going to have to ask that question straight away so that we know. Okay. That way, if he does fall asleep on the interview, we can wake him up. Okay. Let's but in it. all seriousness, what a challenge. I what a challenge for imagine. life. What a challenge for driving. What a challenge for work. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just, you know, the Shane, he's got this effervescent attitude. Like he's really kind of this optimistic, hopeful kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just want, you know, how did he, how does he well up that much hope and that much optimism when he deals with something that is something he can't control like that, like yeah. an affliction like that, that he can't control. So I, you know, I'm just excited to have the conversation with him. So I think we should call him up, get him on the line and see what he has to say. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right. It's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Shane Charles to the Hope Radio podcast. Shane, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am doing just fine. How about you? We are doing fantastic. We are living our best life in California right now. In case you hadn't heard, we've been uh, we've been besieged by fires, but today yes. today is a good day. The fires it's, are out. Yeah, it's it's minimal smoke. It's minimal. So just a little bit. <laughs> just a just a teeny bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Where do you call home? Well, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I guess I could start from Greece. Uh I actually was born in Paris, Tennessee, and I would love to go back. <laughs> but um, let's see, Paris, Tennessee, you know, parents were divorced early age, so I was back and forth between there and Hopkinsville for a while. But uh, for the last 
12 years I was in Hopkinsville, and then now the last year I've been in Katy's, both in Kentucky. So I live in Katy's now. Uh, I am in my own, it's a double white trailer deal, but good rent. I have my own little bit of property, and we've got 15 chickens. <laughs> uh, that means lots of yeah. eggs, right? Yeah, Jen and I consume a lot well, of eggs. <laughs> 10 of them started laying eggs. The barred rocks we have do. But the other ones, I cannot remember what they are, but they haven't started laying eggs yet. <laughs> They're the shy the ones. They need a new rooster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the last thing we need right now because you know what chicken math is? No. What's chicken math? Chicken math. Oh, I'm going to get two or four chickens. Well, four becomes... 16 and 16 <laughs> becomes 70 and it just keeps going. Oh. Chicken math never ends. <laughs> I like chicken math. The, that that sounds so, it sounds like rabbit math. I think it's the only math I like. Yeah. <laughs> chicken there math. Jen, Jen don't like math. I do not like math, but I do like chickens. Uh, you like chicken eggs. I like chicken eggs. And you like chicken. That's your favorite protein to eat. Yes, it is. The chickens wouldn't like you though. Chicken eggs are better. Yeah. <laughs> like fresh farm eggs? Chicken? I know. I, I want a coop so bad, but I don't think I can have one where I live. But I want I want to play with the chickens and go collect eggs surprised. every day. There's a lot of places. I know. I want green eggs and blue eggs and spotted eggs. I want all the pretty eggs. Jennifer. Green eggs and ham. It's a dream. It's, it's going to come true. Well, you sure weren't liking chickens when we had that mysterious rooster show up for a few days well, around the house. Roosters are annoying, but I know you need a rooster, but... I mean, you don't have to. Yeah. Roosters are only the way to get more chickens. If you use your chickens as egg layers, you don't need a rooster. They still lay eggs. Oh, well, there you go. I don't need a rooster. Well, good thing because you were you wanted to make sure that rooster was going bye bye. Well, that rooster only. So we live in the mountains. We live at the base of the foothills of Northern California. So imagine like Lake Tahoe. All of a sudden, this mysterious rooster shows up and starts crowing in the morning. And we're like, what the heck? Like Every morning at six. Yeah, for like three days in a row. And I'm sitting here I, and I tell Jen, I said, that rooster ain't going to be here very long because it's not cooped up. And I'm, I, we've got foxes, we've got mountain lions, we've got bobcats, we've got bears, we've got, um, yeah. you know, uh, falcons and all kinds. I mean, like that rooster's going to be gone. There's no people around. So for three days, it would come to our house and do the cockadoodle do at 6 a.m. <laughs> and so I don't know if that was a good sign or a bad sign or what kind of sign, but. And then all of a sudden it vanished. So we have no. It got I, eaten. Yeah. See, that's not what by I was me. Thinking. No, <laughs> not by me. Yeah, it was not. That was not our doing. <laughs> Chickens are better anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any kids, Shane? Uh, I personally have a five-year-old. He just turned five uh, last month on the fifteenth. And Kelly, she's got her three kids, which I claim is my own at this point. Mm -hmm. If I could adopt them, I wouldn't. Uh, so we've got five-year-old. He's only here about two days a week, which may change, hopefully. But um, <clears throat> she's got Caleb, Joseph, and Jordan. Jordan is 14. Caleb is 11. And then Joseph is 10. So you guys got a full house, and you recently got engaged. So you and your fiance Callie, are engaged and preparing for the big day. Yeah. Congratulations on that, by we, the way. We actually have the day set Ooh. in 2022, October. 
Uh, I'm bad with remembering stuff, uh, but a little background on it. I won't talk about her half of it, but you know, there's a couple of important days to her on in October, and then on October, I see. I can't remember dates very well, but 12th, I believe, in 2012 is when my grandmother passed away. It might not have been 12; it could have been somewhere near that, but. So we just decided to put something good in that month. Oh, kind of balance, if you must. Yeah, that and October is a great month. I mean, it's pretty. I agree. I think it's a phenomenal. It's the month. best month ever. My wife really, really <laughs> likes that month for some reason. October eleventh was the best day ever. That happens to be her birthday. <laughs> in case you didn't deduce that. Ah, that makes sense. So I'm all for the October wedding. That's awesome. Well, Shane, I know that you um, are part of our Hope Radio podcast, hoping to be our latest dealer of hope for others. And I do know you've got a hope story to share. And uh, Jen and I are super curious about this story because uh, you're the first person that we've ever talked to that has dealt with narcolepsy. And so I'm just really, really interested in learning what that's like, how you've dealt with it, and how you're rising above it. But I'm sure a lot of people out there are curious about it because we've all heard of it. But, um, you know, I've never personally met anybody that has suffered from narcolepsy. And so, you know, go ahead and share your story however you want to share it. Begin it wherever you want to begin. Um, I think it'd be great to know the first time you ever knew you had it or felt like you had something like that, but, uh, I'll let you, uh, start wherever you want to start. All right. Well, chronological seems pretty, uh, good way to go. Uh, so I don't, I didn't know anything about it or that it even existed, which in most cases, that's what everybody has or knows. It's not a very common thing. So I never would have thought, but, um, back let's say maybe 10, 11, 12-ish years ago, somewhere in there. Uh, trying to figure out an exact date. Probably around 2012, 10 to 12, somewhere in that range. Um, I noticed I'd fall asleep a lot in class. And, you know, there's times I'd wake up in the morning and I'd shut the alarm off, like, okay, I'm awake. And then I'd wake up again and not even know I fell asleep. And I thought maybe it's, because I'm not exactly happy with what's going on in my life. Uh, there's a lot of stress factors, but, um, you know, I, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And there's times where it, it actually kind of got on my nerves. Like, why am I like this? I'd go to class and I just got so tired. I couldn't do it. Like, I would fight it and fight it. And eventually, it doesn't matter how I'm sitting or anything, I'd start falling asleep. That actually reminds me of something. It's farther back than I thought. Uh, sixth grade, which would be like 2007, maybe? Five to seven? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not good at math either. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't quick calculate how far ago that was. Anything. But uh, I remember the election for, I want to say, Obama and McCain. John McCain? I think. Was it, I, I could be getting my names wrong. Was it? Oh, oh yeah, you're probably right. Well, it was, election. it was, yeah, the first, the first election with Obama. Okay. 
when you know he first came in and it was between the two. I think uh, they had McCain yeah. painted goofy cartoons where he had really big ears, and then <laughs> Obama had a big nose or something. You know, yeah. Um, well, we were in my social studies class, I think it was, or U.S. history or something like that, and I remember we were doing our own kind of election-based stuff, and I was falling asleep, and of course I got in trouble for it. And he said, since you can't stay awake in my class, he made me go stand up. Or you know, This is the school, a school that had doors that went to directly outside in the classroom. And so he had me go stand over there by that door, and there was a desk next to it, computers and stuff. I don't remember weird details, so I'm asking. But uh, I was standing there and still falling asleep while standing. And I want to say that's probably around the first time I realized there was something going on. But being that age, maybe 13, 14, something like that, or maybe a little less even, I, I don't, I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what to do about it. So, you know, I just kind of let it go and lived with it. So a um, couple of questions here, you know, just curious questions. Number one, how long would your sleep last? You know, and then the qu- secondary question to that is, could you feel it coming on? I mean, is this something that just overtakes you or is there any warning at all? Now, for the most part, I know my uh, triggers or what's coming, or I I can pretty much detect it, but there's still the off chance that I can't. Usually, that's only when I'm sitting down and relaxed, like at my computer or on the couch, sometimes even in bed. But uh, uh, before, I'd always notice it, because it was usually at times like in school, around other people or you know, wherever it was at the time, it was usually a public place that I'd noticed it. I can't remember falling asleep at home very much, but I was also a kid, so I was playing computer games or outside riding the go-kart, you know, stuff like that. And so when I was active, it really wasn't too much of an issue. But, of course, this is early onset as well. And uh, studies show that roughly 10 years is what it takes before you actually are diagnosed with it from the time that you have it happen. Um, it's not hereditary. It's not really linked to anything. There's speculations. Uh, I know if you get a bad head injury, it could cause that to happen because all it is is basically having a little amount of hypocrite in your system, which hypocrite controls the sleep. Uh, it's also part of the uh, body paralysis in REM sleep, so you don't act out your dreams but um anyway off topic <laughs> no it's all it's all it's all uh, fascinating i mean yeah. i mean i say here all jen wants to do all the time is sleep you know <laughs> she likes rest she likes sleep so she's probably sitting here going that'd be that'd be so cool to be able to just like sleep anytime not, sleep anywhere I, I believe it i believe it yeah <laughs> i mean one of the first questions that and we'll i'm sure we'll get into this you know, later, but like one of my sons, I was telling him about our interview and he's like, well, is he at risk of falling asleep while he's driving? I'm like, I'm going to find out. I'll definitely find that out. But let's go back to my other question. How long did these episodes yeah. last? So when you were in school and you had to stand up next to that door and you found out you fell asleep, you I mean, really, is this like five minutes? Is it 20 minutes? Is it, what is it? Well, when it was in school, for the most part, it wasn't very long, probably a couple minutes or so. But, uh, as time progressed, um, in a lot of cases, if it's untreated and, you know, stress or depression or anything of that source is still a factor in your life, it could worsen it and usually does. It's not necessarily something that just 
gets worse as you get older, and that's it. Um, usually it doesn't, but other factors will contribute. So, you know, if somebody suffers depression from depression, they end up being really tired in the day, and they feel like they just can't stay awake. And that's one of the miscommunications on it all. A lot of people may have it, or not a lot of people, but some people may have narcolepsy, but be diagnosed with depression or uh, sleep apnea, and in some cases, even uh, epilepsy. It's it's kind of similar in a sense. But uh, for me, originally, the first bit of it, it was just, I was having a lot of trouble staying awake in general. I might fall asleep for a few minutes, and then by then I was either told to get up or something of the sort. Uh, but like I said, when, it, when time progressed and I ended up my last two years of high school, that was in Hopkinsville at the time, um, it got to the point where I was sleeping through whole classes, and my classes were like 45 minutes long. And uh, so, I mean, I could sleep through a whole class. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. But for some reason, that bell, just a loud, solid beat that lasted for like three to five seconds, and it always got me up. Problem is, getting up and having to rush to get everything in your bag, because we've got five minutes to get out of our class, go to our locker if we need to, get it, and then get to the next class, even if it's on the other side of the school. So it was always a rush, but it it got worse at that time. Uh, somehow, some way, I made it through high school. Wow. Uh, graduation wasn't an issue, thankfully. <laughs> I stayed awake for that. Did Did people know what was going on, or did they just think that you were always, you know, like staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning and, and needed your rest? That's what most people assumed. Yeah. Like my father, for instance, I don't want to, call him out exactly but there's a lot of times he's like you need to go to bed on time or something if you're like i would go help him with work and uh he told me you need to go to bed on time i'm, I'm tired of you falling asleep all the time um and at one point he had moved to uh big sandy tennessee and i was still going to school and it was in Perrier, which is basically paris at that point if you blink your eyes and you miss the town but, um, well, I was just gonna. Jen said she wanted to go to, to Paris again, and I was just thinking that would be that would be the option. Like we're gonna go to Paris, Tennessee, or Kentucky, or wherever you said it was at. I'm I've like, never been there. So let's go there, Jen. I, I let's, like that. I, I I delivered you to Paris. <laughs> Every time I tell somebody I'm from Paris, they're like, "You're from France? <laughs> no, Paris, Tennessee." I'm sure they're similar. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of. The only reason I say kind of, there's a. Uh, I want to say state park. I'm not sure if it's state park or not, but they have a park there. And they does it have an have Eiffel, tower? Eiffel Tower? Does the park? Yes, it does. Oh, it does. There you See? go. Jen, well, I can take you it's there. It's got lights all on it. So if you go at night, it lights up. And it's pretty neat. They got a swimming pool over there, a, a little walking path, and I think disc golf and a couple of things. It's a pretty real place to go to. Now, it, it'll be a complete vacation for my wife if you tell me that they've got macaroons <laughs> out there as well. I'm sure they do. Uh, I'm not sure about that one exactly. Jennifer, you can open up I a bakery know. in Paris and start selling macaroons. <laughs> in the park. In the park. Yeah. By the Eiffel Tower. In the park. Perfect. I'd probably I'll be rich. <laughs> you probably would be. Uh, so in, in terms of the, of the, so your, fa your father just thought you're falling asleep yet. You you're like, I am going to bed at on time. And so like, when did you officially be diagnosed as somebody that suffers from narcolepsy? 
Well, that's kind of an actual problem. I have been, but it took a very long time. It was almost 10 years after I really started noticing it. When I was in school early on, you know, like when I was told to stand up and fall asleep, I didn't count those years. So if you want to get real technical about it, it should be about 10 years, but there's a possibility that it's farther back. Because this so is I'm not exactly sure. This is is this a genetic thing? In other words, obviously your dad didn't didn't suffer from it, but it's something that that you suffered from. So other than external events like somebody getting smacked upside the head like you mentioned, is this normally a genetic thing? So it's 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 with you not from birth. All. Really? Uh, well, it could be with you from birth, but it let's see there's something else that you could have at birth but doesn't take effect until set amount of years or something. But uh or until you start it could be something. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, you mentioned before triggers and I'm just wondering as you age and come into more awareness of the world and your surroundings and start to experience more things like stress and anxiety and stuff like that, then 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 it rears its ugly that could head. Basically set it off, yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm not sure about it. A lot of people aren't here. I mean, the reason it's so hard to know about a lot of stuff is only from last I saw, 0.03% of the U.S. population has been diagnosed with narcolepsy. That is literally 250 to 300,000 people at most. So uh, it's, it's not common at all. And there is no cure. There is no way to end it. Medication will only subdue it, basically put it down a little bit so it's not as bad. It just makes it a little bit more manageable as well. Yeah, so there's no uh, cure at all in the medication. When you say manageable, what does the medication allow? What does it do for you? There's different types. The first one they put me on, <laughs> methylphenidate or not methylphenidate. Oh, there's another name for it that most people would know more. Uh, we use for antidepressants, I believe. Basically, it's supposed to help keep you awake, and it's a, a daytime. It so it's almost like a stimulant, EDS. like a stimulant for yeah. you. Yeah, so it keeps you awake. Uh, EDS is uh, excessive daytime sleepiness, which is the prime factor of narcolepsy. But uh. It, it's supposed to help me stay awake and everything, and it did for a while, but at the time, I was cutting down trees in the midst of summer, and there were points in times where I would just pick up a few limbs, and within like two to three minutes, I'd check my watch, and my heart rate's about 180 BPM. My vision's going dark, my hearing is getting compressed where I can't hear so much, and it was, it was giving me a lot of bad side effects to it, and... I, I talked to my doctor about it because even then, there's times where I'd still start getting really tired and falling asleep. Not as much, but still was happening. So he swapped me to uh, ProVision. And um, what happened with that one, it was the 200 milligram dose. And it was kind of working, but not enough. So he brought me to the 400 milligram. But instead of doing the 400 milligram tablets, he did the 200 at 60 count a month instead of 30. That way, I could do two if I needed. 
So we originally tried one in the morning, one at lunch, and that still wasn't working. So it got to the point where when I was working second shift, I'd just take two before work because I was allowed to. I'd already spoke to him about it and he said that that was fine. And, um, you know, it, it did work for the most part, but I'm still at this point in that same medication. And the, the same factory I was working at, you know, on the way there when I took the medication, power drove. I would almost fall asleep almost every time. But while working there, I remember I had two stations in front and behind me, and I was basically spinning circles, take one part out, put the next one in, put the done part on this side, and same thing on the other side. Well, upon doing that, I would do what's called idling. Uh, I would still work, but fall into REM sleep. So wait, so you so wait, 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 wait. Let me let me back let me back up. Yeah, here. I know. <laughs> so is this kind of like sleepwalking? I mean, like you would be able to work, but functionally you weren't coherent. Theoretically, it is sleepwalking. Yes. Uh, the only reason I say theoretically is I hit REM sleep. I don't remember what's happening, and there is I'm not dreaming about it. I'm just my body's doing it, but my everything else I guess is asleep. Like, I'm sleeping at that time. So you have no memory of it? Uh, well, I have memory of the end of it. Because... Um, <laughs> when you wake up? Well, look, for the most part. I, there's some parts I remember, like spotty parts, because I would be like, why is this part here? It's not even from this side, and it's not even done, but it's on the done part side, and they're just stacked in weird places. I mean, I've stacked parts in places and they fell. I put a part in front of a machine that moves forward and when the other part was done, it moved forward and butted the part off onto the floor. These parts were like 20 pounds. I don't know about 20, maybe 10 pounds, but that's enough to hurt somebody. Mm. Thankfully, I wasn't in the way. It just made a loud sound. And I didn't even know I put the part there. Wow. So, I mean, this brings, this brings me, well, I just wanted to make sure that we address this. This brings me to uh, another question that I want to ask, which is really, how has this affected you? Because I know, you know, I've heard a bit of your story on Clubhouse when we've joined in the morning, and I know you talked about losing jobs or losing work over this. And so I, I just, you know, if you could tell us maybe two or three incidents of how this really has upended your life as you've dealt with it you know, for context, for the benefit of our, of our listeners, you know, what, what have been the negative effects of this on you, on your life? Well, before you said two or three, the first thing I was thinking is I can tell you two instances. So kind of took the words right there, but, uh, the first one staying on the same machines I was talking about and that same night that I remember putting them in random places, what reminded or what woke me up and made me realize what was happening completely. There is a control box that, you know, it would reset the machine and stuff like that. But it was on a, a swivel type deal where you could scoot it out and push it back and everything. And it was off to the left of the machine I was on. And I don't, like I said, I don't remember everything as far as part placement and why things are out of place. But I remember going to get the next part and my side of my head, I slammed directly into it. And it's a solid piece of steel, basically. That happened twice that same night. So it can affect my uh, safety as well. And um, that was actually shortly before I left that last 
factory job that I had. Um, before that, and before I was diagnosed, I was expressing as much as I could to um, my supervisor and, you know, trying to explain to him, like, look, I'm not, there's been times I was late or there's times I would miss, I was working at a poultry factory. So long story short, there was chickens involved. <laughs> I'm not going to get into details on that because I might not ever eat chicken again. might like it, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> uh, basically the process, I was taking care of some of the process manually and I would fall asleep and I would miss some of the process even while pacing back and forth. I had a knife in one hand and a chain glove on the other. Well, I have not from the knife, but I have a scar on my left arm from where I just barely came to enough to realize, oh, I missed one. And, you know, they go up and around a corner, and then there's a, a metal wall there that they go behind that I can't see. And once they go past that, it's pretty much too late. You can't get back to them. But uh, I had reached around to finish that last step, and when I did, my arm bumped into that wall, and when I finished the step, I cut into my arm. And oh, my gosh. I was the only one that, in that section of the floor at the time, so I couldn't leave unless I stopped both lines. And doing so causes no-nos. Uh, so <laughs> Causes no-nos. Yeah. That's a no-no. Well, you don't, if, if we're on a chicken processing line, we need to be processing the chickens. And stopping the two lines, that's a no-no. You know, that's that's day one nope. education cool. session one. <laughs> I think it was 450 birds per minute on both lines. Oh. So you so, stopping a line to go deal with, you know, a gash in your arm is costing some production well, time. It would take me a total of 10 minutes just to get my uh, dressing equipment on myself off and then back on. Mm. Not counting the tending to the cut. So... While all that was going on, I just basically pulled the plastic sleeve over it, and I was bleeding. Like, blood going down my arm a little bit, but at least that hand, if I kept it up, I wouldn't get blood near the chickens. It was concealed. It was taken away from the area altogether. I didn't have to worry about it. But even with cleaning it every single time I left, and I put bandages all over it, I tried waterproofing it, it got infected. Not by much, but just enough to where it started to hurt. So, I mean, I did everything I could to take care of it. I got home, and I was literally killing myself with alcohol, rubbing alcohol, not drinking. (laughs) Thanks uh, for the clarification. I I actually assumed the other. Well, that's what a lot of people would. I mean, think about it. I'm hurt so bad. Let me just take a couple shots. I'll be fine, you know? (laughs) That's what they used to do in the old West days. You need a tooth pulled. You need this done. Yeah, put a piece of leather in your mouth. Bite down hard. Here we come. Are you ready? Here, here, yep. here it goes. <laughs> so, um, so the two incidents you talked about: smacking your head, cutting yourself. Um, you know, back to my other question about driving. You know, that's the first thing that I think about. Have you mm-hmm. ever suffered an episode while driving and is, is it possible to do so? Or is it like one of those things like you were talking about? Could you function driving and, and technically be asleep somehow? Because sometimes I feel like I do that. I don't think I'm asleep, but all of a sudden I'll go, and I'm sure our listeners have had this benefit ha- or had this happen to them. Sometimes you go, I don't even know how I got from A to B, but I got there. Like you're so in your head or whatever, like you don't even remember the journey kind of thing. So 
it's very similar to the idling process, I think. Uh, we kind of zone out, so to speak, where you are focused on the road, maybe not as much as I guess would be considered as the safe amount, but enough to where you made it there, thankfully, and it's a good thing you made it, but you don't remember the drive or anything of the sort. Well, it's very similar to that. Um, but same job, the same poultry job. It was about an hour and 15 minutes away from where I was living at the time. And um, this is, I was working there before, the cut happened on my arm before I moved in with Callie. And not too long after that cut, I want to say, is when I moved in with her. And I was still working there, driving every day. I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning, leave at 4.30-ish or so, and get there by 6, before 6 because I had to walk to the other side of the factory. I can call it a factory, but, you know, I'm sure they have better names. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I, I tried expressing to them, like, I'm not trying to be late. I'm not trying to fall asleep. I'm doing everything I can. I tried uh, Cranum. That was a big thing at the time, it seemed. And, you know, my, uh, he wasn't my brother-in-law yet. And, in fact, they're still not married yet, but they are engaged to be. But uh, my brother-in-law works there still, and I was working with him, same area at least, and you know he was taking Kratom because he was working extra shifts sometimes, and it, it kept him focused. For the first few times, it was okay, but then it just didn't do anything. Like, it was literally wasting time taking a little capsule of leaf from a plant, basically, and it did nothing. Uh, Five-hour energies. I did a <laughs> go back to no nos. Um, you can only take two in a twenty four hour period, and they have to be like eight hours apart. Well, in a eight to ten hour shift, I would end up with about four in my system. Oh my gosh, four five hour energies. Drive. Well, I was I was stressing out over it. I was worried. I was like, look, I cannot fall asleep. I cannot lose this job. I have to pay my bills. I have. Just a lot of things I was focused on trying my best to actually maintain, but little did I know I'm not capable only because I can't control something like this. There is a silver lining in the end, but at that time, there wasn't. Well, I don't remember most of this morning, but one morning I woke up and I was sitting on the edge of the bed. I don't really know I mean, I know here's and there, like I was trying to get dressed, but I guess I couldn't. I was out of it still. I was still halfway in REM or something. And Callie was telling me, you know, it, it's not smart to drive. It's not safe. You, you should not do this. It'll be fine. Don't go to work. Well, I had already missed a few days because of things similar to this. And, uh, I was, I was concerned about it because I'd already been warned. I was like, look, if you keep missing days, we're not going to be able to keep you here. I was making good money. I was making almost 16 an hour. And I got to bring home a 30-pound box of chicken once every two to four weeks. It was great. I never ran out of chicken. We had too much. We ended up giving it away or throwing it away. But, you know, in that issue, one of the days that I was driving – in a 2006 Mitsubishi Eclipse. A little two-door sports car, basically. 
on the way to work, all I remember is it got really bumpy really fast. I sat for cruise at 80. Yes, I know, 80 seems fast. I'm getting passed by 18 wheelers, so I, I don't want to be judged. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you're, you're talking to somebody right now that um, probably goes more than 80 often, so I'll just leave it at that. Well, my first speeding ticket at 18 was 111 and 55 after I had slowed down. So <laughs> let's slowed not down. let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so considering I'm driving a car that's allowed to go like 140, we're not going to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, it woke me up. I didn't know I was sleeping. There was, this was at the time where I had no medication, no diagnosis, nothing. And it woke me up. I'm in the intermediate. So was, there was no down. barrier. So you're in you're in the intermediate lane in between two, you know, the in opposite the traffic. Yeah. Wow. Luckily, there's two there's two things that played in my well, three things I guess that played in my factor here. First one, I can come out of sleep so quick and be so alert. It's it's unbelievable. I don't understand it, but I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. It saved my life literally. And so, I mean, I woke up quickly and I was able to respond and react. And I'm not, I, I don't want to pride myself or gloat here, but, you know, if something happens suddenly, I'm pretty good at reacting to it without causing more issue. As long as it's like physical, like emotional stuff. And I, I botched botch that pretty bad. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so you can wake up and be uh, like situationally aware super fast. Yes. Which is a great so compliment up, to being narcoleptic. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. I think that's probably where it comes from, too, because when I fall asleep, I go straight to REM. Mm. When I wake up, I'm awake. My dreams become reality. We'll get into that in just a second. But uh, So I had come to, and I was awake by then. I know I was. Yeah. And so I just I let off. Where I tapped the brake to get the cruise control to shut off, and I eased on the brake a little bit, and I held the wheel kind of sturdy. And with the car sitting so low to the ground, I was worried I'm going to hit something, or I'm going to hit a, a divot, and the car's going to flip. I was worried about it, but I kept as calm as possible. I got down to about 15 miles an hour, and as I was slowing down, I was like, "I'm not stopping. It's wet." So I the only way I could go to get back on the road was on the opposing side. There was no cars coming because it's four o'clock in the morning. I was lucky enough for that. So I got up on the road, turned around and pulled off to the side to check the car and everything, trying to make sure everything was all right. And I didn't mess anything up. And at that point in time, I was like, this, this is going to end badly for me. I'm not going to live if I do this. But, about a week or so after is when I actually was sitting in that bed or on the edge of the bed and Callie was telling me, don't do it. There's no sense in wasting your life to make money. If you're dead, you can't make money anyway, you know? So the only thing I can really remember is she said, call them and tell them you can't make it. Um, you don't, Basically, you don't have to explain to them what's going on just tell me can't make it you know whatever I don't think I called him for another two hours because I literally went back to sleep and I don't remember laying down I don't remember any of it all I know is I woke up later 
I had a text from Callie that basically, because she had to go to work shortly after that, uh, basically just a minor rehash of it, basically saying um, everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I called and quit that same day. And about a week or two later, COVID put everything on lockdown. So I couldn't find a job easily. I couldn't file for unemployment because the system got so locked up, it would not let me do it. Anytime I clicked anything, you can't use the forward and back buttons on this page. Try again. And I called and called and called. You can't get through them. She ended up getting unemployment because she got laid off, which it was very helpful. But in that time, I was bringing nothing in, and it put me farther in as far as the whole depression about it goes because what is wrong with me is all I could think. And after going to a couple doctors, uh, they had doctors on site at the factory there too, and I'd already been there. They drew blood work, and they did all these other things, and they were trying to figure it out, but you know, they would never really just send me to a specialist. It was just they were basic doctors. I'm not trying to downplay them, but they could only do so much. And so we never figured anything out. And then I find out that there's a specialist in town that kind of made sense to speak to. Set up an appointment, had a video call with him, and he basically said I needed to do a sleep study. I didn't have insurance. So I thought... <laughs> I didn't think I had insurance because I just left my job and I had insurance with them. But I was lucky enough to find out I've had state insurance for the past like six years from that day. Mm. And I still have the same insurance now. It paid for all but like 50 bucks of it, which I'm just now finding about in the recent months. But, um, I did the sleep study at 30, Six wires hooked up to me, I think. And I could not sleep at night, like, at all. Because of the but, wires? Because of the of the discomfort of, well, I, like, the situation? I don't know, discomfort. I don't know. New place. Uh, I got a camera on me. I got microphones on me. I've got wires all over me. It, it just did not, I don't know. I couldn't. It sounds like we've solved so, your narcolepsy problem. You just need to find a job that puts all kinds of wires all over your body and puts you in an uncomfortable situation. You'll stay awake forever. Yeah, see, the thing <laughs> when I get used to it... Yeah, that's the thing, that's right? The problem comes your, your body adapts, whether it's medication or any anything else, it adapts. For the most part, yes. Well, I think for the most part, because there's some other here's and there's that have changed things. But... Um, I woke up that morning. She's like, okay, well, we know it's not sleep apnea, so we have to move to stage two, which is a day study. Every two hours, I had to take a 15-minute nap. From the time I fell asleep to 15 minutes later, she would wake me up. I'd lay there thinking, man, I am not going to fall asleep. And then she wakes me up. Literally, that's it. That's all I know about it. After the first two, she said, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. After the third one, there's supposed to be, I think, six. And she ended up only doing four or five of those 15-minute naps. Um, and, you know, she couldn't give me a diagnosis because she wasn't the actual doctor. But um, 
after the third test, I was like, I know you can't tell me stuff and whatnot. And she's like, well, okay, well, here's what I'll do. Do not quote me on this. Don't think I'm diagnosing you. And he basically gave me the rundown of it. And she said, basically what it looks like is you are narcoleptic. That's all there is to it. From what I'm seeing on the charts, based on this is what it was just from my head, REM literally stands for rapid eye movement because you're dreaming, you're looking around, you're active, but sleeping. So I would be awake, just, you know, kind of look over here and look over there, try to close my eyes and get sleep. It wasn't working. And then out of nowhere, I'm looking around. She thought I was still awake. She couldn't even see the difference except for a little bit more eye movement than before. So I went straight to REM in all of the tests instantly, every time. REM is usually a two to four hour after you fall asleep thing. So uh, about a week or two later, I go in, the doctor said, hi, Miss Charles, how you doing today? I said, I'm good. He's like, you're narcoleptic. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And so you, and th- so this diagnosis has really come to you in the last year. Like this is, this is, you, yeah, you, this you, called about a year and a few months ago. Wow. Actually, uh, June of last year is when I did my sleep study, I believe. <clears throat> so talk to me a little bit about how you've overcome this or how you've risen above it. Like wh- where do you stand now and how is it affecting your life now? Well, I don't drive more than like 20, 30 minutes tops away from my house unless Callie's with me because I know my indicators now. What are your triggers or what are your indicators? Triggers, uh, it, it's really situational. I, I couldn't tell you what would trigger it or cause it to happen, but uh, knowing when it's coming, nine times out of ten, it's just my eyes. It, it looks like I just woke up or something. Uh, I can feel like... I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's not necessarily like a moisture type feeling. It's weird. It's like a heat around just my eyes. And That's something that happens immediately preceding you falling asleep? No, normally, yes. It doesn't always make me fall asleep, but it's an indicator that, hey, I need to either stop or figure something out quickly. Usually, you know, I can kind of fight it off for maybe five minutes. If it's that bad, I might not have five minutes. And when you say fight it off, is it just an extreme feeling like I'm so tired, I need to sleep, I need to close my eyes? Okay. I got a great way to explain it. Imagine you haven't slept in five days. And you're comfortable in bed, but you have to stay awake. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's – I can't stand it. Like, if if I don't take medication and it doesn't matter if I've slept for 42 hours straight, it'll still happen. I take my medication, usually it's a lot better off. Like right now, I've fallen asleep on the phone countless times. Um, there's, there's a lot to it. And I've also got this night medication now that's supposed to put me to sleep. They say it's so bad that you have to be in bed before you take it. It is called Zywave. They don't even have it at pharmacies. You have to get a background check and go through some drawn out process in order just to get it. They send it to you direct now. And it's nasty. <laughs> it, it tastes awful. But um, 
if I can't fall asleep within 30 minutes, I get dizzy as if I drank so much, I'm about to vomit. Wow. I, I had mean, to pee once when that happened. And <laughs> <laughs> I, Callie takes my medication too, and she could be awake but not aware, just like if I was, you know, having a narcoleptic event. So she can't help me at that time. And I'm literally just stumbling. I'm like, please don't let me miss the toilet. <laughs> That's basically what goes through my head. I mean, when I come back out of the bathroom, I'm, you know, holding on to everything I can just to get back in bed. Wow. So I is, wake up another two or four hours and take the second dose. Is your, is your, I mean, are you able to now, because it's been diagnosed, because you have medication, I mean, like what, what is the prospect for you to be able to live with this commute, I guess the, the, the name, the commune with it. In other words, you know, you can't, you can't change it. It's not going to go away but find a way to still live the life that you want to live while dealing with it. Well, after changing up some medications and trying different things, schedules, uh, nap, <laughs> the 25 year old taking a daily nap. <laughs> it sounds weird to me, but I have to. So it's part of my life, but you know, those weren't always effective. <clears throat> like there's times where when we were working second shift, I'd try to go to sleep. I'd lay there for an hour. Like I can't do this. I'm trying clear my mind, relax, breathe. It's time to leave for work. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then I get in the car, I'm out. It makes no sense. But, um, even with the medication, uh, maybe a month or so ago, I tried a factory right next to my house, literally like a 10th of a mile. And it's welding. So I was doing the classes. It was three days. The first day was just a class where we learned stuff. I fell asleep for maybe a few minutes. Like literally sitting in a chair, the upper half of my body folded over onto my legs, fell asleep. I don't know why I can't control it. That was with medication and everything and plenty of sleep. Next day, we did some welding practice. I did pretty dang good. We go back into the class right after all that, and I fell asleep again. I tried standing, moving around, and other things, and it just it didn't always work. Mm. So, day three was specifically welding because they had a welding test I had to take. Well, I decided to opt into the class to make sure my welds were good because they were welding uh, trailers for like semis and stuff. And if something goes wrong, that's that's another no no. <laughs> I could hurt people with stuff like that. So that was already a concern as is. But the next portion of it, I'm type 1 narcoleptic, which means I also have cataplexy. Cataplexy can be found without narcolepsy, but having cataplexy and narcolepsy means you're type 1. Type 2 means you don't have cataplexy. It's the only difference. What cataplexy is, is basically the muscles failing for sometimes up to five minutes it seems for me i'm a little more lucky with it it seems um i get them in little spurts so any kind of emotion is usually what triggers it if i laugh my every bit of my body quits for about a split second a half a second maybe enough to where my knee gets about a foot from hitting the ground and i can just barely catch myself 
there's times I'll just go to say something and it happens. If I'm sitting on the couch or relaxed completely and I start having a cataplectic event, my eyes start closing, my jaw starts falling, and my whole body is paralyzed. I can hear, I can still see if my eyes are open, I can smell, everything is still there, and I'm still um, completely cognitive, but I can't move. Um, thankfully, in my case, like I said, it's not quite as bad as the whole five minutes. It's usually, it could last up to about a minute or so of it just kind of hurting in and out. But um, That has got to be a know. surreal feeling. I mean, I just sit here and imagine if you're coherent and you're conscious, yet you can't move your body. It, that's got to be just surreal. It's got to be helpless feeling. It's got to be quite an experience. Very similar to sleep paralysis. If you ever wake up in the morning and cannot move for a moment, I've never had that happen to myself, but Jen, how about you? You ever had sleep paralysis? No. Jen, Jen is one of these people, as soon as her head head hits the pillow, she's out. So she's never had a problem with sleeping. (laughs) No. If it ever happens, just relax. You'll be fine. I promise. If you freak out, you're going to make it worse. Like you're going to put yourself into this weird shock-like state and it's going to make you scared. And you're going to think, oh my God, I got to go to the hospital. You don't have to. It's it's part of the body. It's just where your body is still in REM or any kind of other sleep state where it's paralyzed, but you can still breathe. You're still there. You can still feel things. It's just, it, it's like that. So you don't act out your dreams. People that sleepwalk, that's why, that's why they say it's not safe to wake them up. Not just because they freak out from where they are, but the body paralysis effect is not working right for them it could potentially cause more problems there. They might just drop out when they wake up. It's mm. not very common, but it could happen. So just like that, you know, you can't just freak out about it because it could be worse. But basically wow. the night medication I take, it makes my uh, cataplexy event worse. I think that's at this point my biggest frustration. Yeah, falling asleep sucks and I hate it. <laughs> but uh, what really gets me is it destroys my memory. I'll say things and not know I said them or I'll think I said something and never have said it. Uh, There's things I've dreamed or there's even times I've woke up thinking, oh crap, it's seven o'clock. I missed my alarm. I'm late for school. I'm 25 years old. I've been out of school for what? Five years or something like that? Six? Five years. Five years. 20? No. 2014 I graduated, so seven years. So, I mean, it's sometimes hard to differentiate the uh, dreams from reality. So, I can imagine that I that would a be nightmare, really, really crazy. If I'm having a nightmare or even a happy dream, my body is reacting to it as if I am awake. Uh, you ever do the half falling asleep deal where you fall off a cliff and your body just jolts back yeah. to life and you're like, I don't yeah. wake. It, it's similar to that, but the jolt to wake me up doesn't wake me up. So if I was to get shot in a dream, I will wake up feeling like I've been shot. And it very rarely has happened, thankfully. But I don't wake up when it happens usually either. Um, it's it's really weird to explain it, but um, you know it's it's just a strange situation. 
here's here's where I guess I'd like to to go with this um, as we close out the show because we've we've uh, come to the point where um, we're going to do that. I, I guess Mike, you you sound like you're still optimistic that you're thriving. You just recently got engaged. You 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 got a lot going for you. So for those that are. I was just going to say for those for somebody that's listening right now that may be narcoleptic themselves that may have suffered with this or maybe a family member that has someone else that is um, suffering from narcolepsy. I mean, what what words can you share that would give somebody some hope that you can still live a life that has meaning and value and fun and opportunity, et cetera, even though you're, you're at a disadvantage, you know, what, what could you share to somebody else that, that may be dealing with what you've dealt with, but you're further along on the path? Well, I've kind of been preparing for a question like this for some time because I want other people to know, not necessarily just because of me, but I want other people to know because it gets misdiagnosed so much. And if it's misdiagnosed, it's not going to fix it or help it at all. <clears throat> like if you take antidepressants because your um, your bones are deteriorating, it's not going to help you. So it, it's just, it has to be properly diagnosed. The biggest thing I have is, first, if you don't know or have not been diagnosed and you're falling asleep and you can't sometimes control it, go get a sleep study done, please. <laughs> I beg you, because medication does help. It will not fix it, but it will help. It has helped me tremendously. Without it, I wouldn't have made it as far as I have. The other thing I was going to say earlier was uh, if it wasn't for Cali, I wouldn't be here. And I only say that because I was going to go back to work anyway. Knowing I couldn't even get up to get dressed, I was going to go to work anyway. Take an hour and 15-minute drive uh, on the interstate. And if it comes down to it, don't don't risk it because if you risk it, you'll end it if you're not careful. Granted, I know a lot of people want to be like, oh, well, I can control it. It's just sleep. Or, you know, that's how I've been. I was in denial. Bad. Uh, half fall asleep. Callie, you awake? Yeah, I'm fine. No, I'm not. The biggest thing I think helps me the most is to recognize it realize that there is nothing I can do to fix this. I can do things to better it, but I cannot fix it. So I have to adjust what I do in order to match a little better. As in right now, I'm trying to video edit for my job. I'm trying to do a PC repair business for my job. I'm trying things that are allowing me to not have to continue a nine to five or something in order to, you know, stay alive with the bills and keep food in my home and things like that, because I cannot do that safely. Realize your limitations, basically. And, uh, I mean, I'm 25 years old and I've applied for disability. I don't have my answer yet, but I had to. I had eight people tell me, including my doctor, you need to apply for disability. At this rate, it's not going to work out. It's not smart or safe to continue risking your life, you know, to go to your job. It doesn't matter if it's right down the road or not. If I can slam my face into a control panel and 
you know, maybe keep going if I didn't do something bad. What if I slam my face into the side of something that's sharp and put a blade through my head? I'm not trying to be graphic here, but things like that could happen because I don't know it's there with my eyes closed. Sure you can. Or if your eyes aren't even closed, if you're asleep, you're sleepwalking or something along those lines, it's the same way. But, you know, the only thing I struggle with still at this point is the stress. Not stress so much, but the frustration it causes. Cataplexy event. I want to say something. I go to talk, and then all you'll hear is the first portion of the word, and then I can't even speak because it's, it's my muscles are quitting. I can't do anything. So I have to stop. Callie tells me all the time, stop, take a deep breath. It'll be okay. Relax. It stops it for a moment, but then there's times where it comes back. And I have found that adrenaline fixes that. I know it sounds weird, but there's a game called Beat Theory. You put a VR headset on, you have two controllers in your hand. They show up where your hands are actually located in the real world. Notes come at you like Guitar Hero, and you slice through them to music. It's freaking awesome. Well, when I first start playing it, uh, if I'm you know having issues with cataplexy at the time, the first little bit of the song, maybe 15 to 20 seconds in, I'm missing notes. I'm stuttering because I'm falling some. After I start to fix out, I restart the level, and I can do it flawlessly. And then for about two hours after that, no cataplexy at all. Adrenaline stops it. I don't know why, but it's nice to know that there are things that can be done. Yeah, it sounds like you're still uh, learning. Your, off topic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're still learning your body and still learning how to deal with it on an ongoing basis. But I, I got to tell you, this has been a fascinating interview for for us. Uh, really interesting. You know, I'm sorry it has to be at your expense. You know, I do understand that this happens, and you know, I just want you to know that when we join you in the clubhouse, when I hear you speak, you're doing great things. Like you really are pouring into other people. You are resonating with the audience you are contributing and um you, you know there is a purpose for your life and although you have this disadvantage i'm sure that god is going to turn it into something that can be a powerful advantage for you in some respect or way or help to impact his kingdom because of this you, you know what you're dealing with and so i just want to thank you thank you for your your story and thank you for your time sharing today and being a hope dealer for us and our audience you've been awesome is it okay if I add just two more quick things? Yeah, just sure. Small, short, I promise. The first one, the, the sum it all up with that last question we had was, you have to realize your limitations. If you've ever been diagnosed, you need to get the sleep study done because medication helps. And you have, in the end, you have to realize that everyone is different. You have your own limitations to it. But find somebody that knows or can understand somewhat understand. Nobody will truly ever understand how you feel because, like I said, everyone's different. But Allie has made the biggest difference in my life with my blessing. And I'm very grateful for that. And the second thing was the emotional part. <laughs> Ended with tears, I guess. Um, Ula and the clubhouse calls and things like that has really taught me something that I don't know if a lot of people really understand, but if putting it into my perspective for others helps, here's what I've come up with. I've heard the story about, uh, this is a story that Dave shared about being grateful and having faith. 
And every time I've seen that video, I've seen it probably seven times. And every single time I've cried. Vulnerability is a thing, and it is not bad. But for me, what that taught me... Sorry. <clears throat> I'm thankful that I have not left me, and not my five-year-old son. Oh, yes. That it's me. And not my parents. My dad doesn't understand it too well, and I can kind of understand why. He doesn't really know what it is and how it feels. But, you know, he does pouring, and it can cause him to get hurt. There's been a time he put a cut through his leg and missed his artery by a couple inches, maybe. I was there for that, falling asleep, but I was there. <laughs> Sorry, I try to make some small here and there jokes about it because it helps me, but... Uh, what if he falls asleep while trying to put tile up on a bathroom wall and a ceramic tile broke or something? It could fall and cut him open. I know my limitations. I mean, I know them now, at least. And I'm thankful that it didn't happen, that nothing really bad did happen in the time that I didn't know. And so I'm grateful for the fact that it's me because... I think if I keep trying, I will be able to manage for the most part and continue on my life. And even if people don't understand, I'll be fine. But at least I know that my son will be too because he doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about it because it's not hereditary. And the chances of it happening to him Point zero three percent of the whole U.S. population. That's such a good perspective. No, thank you, Shane. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your message. And and I understand where you're coming from. Be grateful. Have faith. Live your Ula life. Be grateful for the challenges that you experience. And for those that haven't heard that story from Doctor Dave, it's an incredible story. You know, he lost his nephew and. His nephew died of cancer, and the the reality of it is, is his nephew said, "I was I'm glad it happened to me and not my siblings. Glad it happened to me and not my parents. Glad it happened to me and not my friends." In other words, you know, he took ownership of the disadvantage and the situation that he was given, and and owned it completely, and was grateful that it wasn't someone else. And I hear that in in your voice, and I just uh, I just want to thank you for your message today, and thank you for your story. You've been awesome. I want to thank you for hosting this call. Sorry to end that on a bad note. Everything's okay? We're good? <laughs> it's not a bad note, my friend. Emotion is never a bad note. You know, vulnerability is never bad a bad note. note. It's uh, it's an awesome note. It just shows we're all human, and we're on this planet together, and some of us have advantages, some of us have disadvantages. All of us have our stuff that we're dealing with, and, you know, your your situation is a particular set of disadvantages that, that uh, most people don't have, but I, I love the way you're attacking it, and I love how you're handling it and I, and I love how you're you're grateful that it's you and not others you care about that says a lot about the type of person you are and that's why you are an excellent dealer of hope for us you're a hope dealer for the hope radio podcast so thank you once again thank you guys as well all right jen what did you think of our interview with mr shane charles what an interesting topic i have I never know. ever 
thought about that topic before. You know, just to experience life in a manner where all of a sudden you get that feeling that comes over you and he just can't stay awake. And then how many people go undiagnosed with this? I mean, just a story about being a kid and then, you know, people thinking he's just tired and right. even his dad, yeah. you know, thinking Not that he was just, him. yeah, mm-hmm. oh, you need to get to sleep, you know, earlier and stuff like that. It has nothing to do with how rested he is. It's just it to me, I'm I, the whole component of, cause I love driving. Yeah. Right. Just this whole worry about what happens when you're driving and then potentially driving off the road, like his story, you know? Well, it's good that he has like some kind of like signals to know that it might be happening. Yeah. It's good that it's not like instantaneous, right? right. but it does sound like it's like, it's pretty instant, but you yeah. still know maybe a few seconds before. Yeah. And now that he's got some better medications, that's good too. Yeah, and I and I think he's doing that work, and I I think mm-hmm. over time he can lessen those symptoms. But you know, just fascinating to hear about how challenging that is, mm-hmm. and how it it really masks itself as somebody just being you know maybe disregarding time and not yeah. being really regimented with when they get to sleep, but it's actually more complicated than that. Right. So stressors and triggers mm-hmm. and how he has to manage his life and what he has to do. And, and, and great that he has Callie, you yes. know, and we're going to speak with her in a minute, but you know, the next episode that we share of the Hope Reader podcast is going to have his, uh, his fiance Callie mm-hmm. on to talk about a different subject, but it's just great that she's there to compliment him. Oh, so absolutely. Really powerful, very interesting mm-hmm. um, interview. And I think, you know, Given his attitude and how he's approaching life, I think that he's going to be a great hope dealer for others because you may not have to deal with narcolepsy. Maybe there's somebody that's listening that will mm-hmm. or is is dealing with that. Yeah. But just his attitude regarding the challenge and not letting it defeat him Absolutely. and staying yeah. positive and rising regardless yep. and trying to craft a life mm-hmm. that fits in with the circumstances that he was dealt, mm-hmm. you know, in terms yeah. of how he manages his body and what his body does for, you know, his circumstances. So anyway, it was just fascinating to me. It was definitely. Yeah. So Jen, if people want to connect with us, we need more hope dealers in the world. More. We need more people dealing out hope. So how do yes. people find us? You can find us on hope radio podcast on Instagram or Facebook, and you can listen to us on any of the, any all of the, the channels. Yeah. All iTunes. The- or isn't is it iTunes? Yeah, iTunes, Google Play, I, Apple iPod, Apple Podcast. I mean, <laughs> that's where, a- <laughs> wherever you consume your spoken audio. Yes, if you're that's listening, where we will be. If you're listening to us now, that's where you can find us tomorrow. Yeah, but if you want to be on the show, send us a message on Facebook yes. or Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. We'd love to have you come on. If you have a story of hope to share, we want to hear it. And Jen, we got. Here's what I got to say. What? I'm excited. We got to move on because we got to get to the next interview. We got to re- interview his fiance, Callie. Oh, I'm excited. All right. So let's go. Bye. You ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. Okay. <laughs>